Welcome to Thrones and Scones. It's your weekday morning podcast where we talk Game of Thrones over breakfast, maybe a little too peppy for a Monday. Tony, Hans, and Jeremy in with you. And today we are hitting right in the face season two, episode six, The Old Gods and the New. And Peach, bitches. Tony, hit me with that. Hit me with that wiki. Damn it. What a what a good what a great so what a nice wiki brisk is, transition. Is <laughs> I don't have it pulled up. Did it's the one thing I've got to do. Uh, yeah, all right, no, no, here, here it is. So, okay, so the the wiki, of course, because we can get a little off topic. We want to make sure you know what's happening in the episode. Uh, the old gods and the new. Ooh, it's a short one today. I think a lot happens in this episode. Uh, Theon completes his master stroke. I don't know what the hell that means. <laughs> <laughs> what an interesting way of writing that. Yeah, what an interesting oh, word right. choice. Theon, please uh, continue stroking as we move on. It's a uh, in King's stroke. Landing, the Lannisters send Marcella from harm's way in the nick of time. Arya comes face to face with a surprise visitor. Danny vows to take what is hers. Rob and Catelyn receive crucial news, and Corin gives John a chance to prove himself, perhaps with a master stroke. I don't know. We'll have to see. Doesn't this uh, seem super cryptic in the in the summary? It's like you're clearly trying to get an idea what's going on. They're like, let's make this very hard to understand. Yeah, this is this must be the thing you were talking about yes or uh, last week rather on Friday with the, the wiki can kind of be written by anyone, anyone right? Um, so this one was obviously written by someone who just wanted short and sweet. Here's what happened. Whereas last week it was like a very very voluptuous, excessive language and flowy blah blah blah. Uh, I don't, I don't know. Things things can be different. All I know is I like this episode. What about you guys? Yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, Getting right into the good for me, uh, I talked a little bit about how I liked Osha, and I thought this was a good part again with her, even though we're starting to see now uh, the a little more depth with her being the wildling woman, the intelligence that she has, yeah. how she has that honor, um, and even though she's captive, right? I mean, this kind of is a dichotomy with, with Theon being a captive raised in the family and then kind of betrays the family. And here she, and you kind of think maybe she's going to do the same thing, especially when she's going to him of saying, hey, you know, I want my freedom. I want to go. What, will you give that to me? And he's like, yeah, come in bed with me. Um, and, and we find out the real reason why she wants to be in that situation, which I think was really good. So this was, I thought that was a really cool scene. Love all the moments with uh, Osha in this one. And uh, also finally returning to that nudity warning that we need so much at the beginning of Game of Thrones, so uh, our our, so our good, bad, and juggly moment for the episode with uh, with Osha twice as as she presents herself to Prince Theon, and then again as she kind of slinks away in the middle of the night <laughs> in a very uh, in a very creepy way. But you got to do what you got to do to get the little lords out of harm's way, I suppose. Hans, what uh, what was some of your favorite moments of the show? Uh, <clears throat> Sorry, going to, I'm going to town on this scone right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I think my absolute, I'm just going to hit it off with my absolute favorite moment. Jack and Hagar killing number two. Oof. It's just so badass. And I, and I feel bad because I'm kind of just jumping deep into the episode, but it's just so sweet. It like, looks, yeah, it's yeah, dope. Just the whole scene, like that, that, uh, 
whole line of of uh, this show with Jack Nagar is just badass. Especially because this is this is the scene where the guy, you know, he's running back to Tywin um, to basically he finds out that um, Arya's trying to leave or escape or something's up with Arya. She has the note, yada yada yada. She's running back to Tywin. You think he, you know, he he even gets to the point where. Or he's running back to Tywin. He gets to the point where he's at Tywin's room and then just opens the door and falls dead. <laughs> so badass. <laughs> it is a, it's an awesome moment. And again, as we talked about yesterday, Jack and setting up a lot of rules, breaking pretty much all the rules. I know. Uh, for Arya. <laughs> yeah, the whole time thing. I think we were joking about this last time, um, which is, it's, it's funny how they really don't care about time in this show. And especially from the standpoint of like where characters will just spout off of like, oh, you know, it takes time to do this and this. And yet the next scene, they're there doing it. Right. I mean, like he he says, he's like, well, I don't know if I can do that. There's not enough time. And she's just like it literally her convincing argument is just yelling at him one time. And he's like, oh, and then the next (laughs) scene is done. Right. It's like, yep. Um, Yeah. But a cool moment. Nonetheless, I, I won't nitpick at it too much. There's a lot of good a lot of my favorite stuff happens in Harrenhal because uh, you know a lot of the sucky stuff happens over in Winterfell and I don't want to you know I don't want to look at that I want to look at the cool shit with Arya becoming a badass although nearly potentially getting discovered do you guys think that little finger recognized Arya because they had that moment where it impl- like he definitely saw it her implied that yeah and then yeah. he said something immediately afterward about Catelyn Stark and her daughters and so it it seems to say yes, but everything in me says that Littlefinger gains nothing by not ratting her out. Yeah, I think in in the entire scene as she's walking around pouring the wine and, and the food, I thought it was weird. Like she was trying to approach always over the shoulder or turn away when she was pouring. Um, but the other thing is like, what about her voice? It's not like he hasn't been around her before and she is talking during the scene, you know? And she doesn't try to at all cover that up at all. So I thought that was kind of a weird misstep for me. Well, well it's so, I mean, at least in the show, unless I'm wrong, Arya and Littlefinger have one scene together before this. Um, I'm sure, you know, it can be implied that they have other moments together mm-hmm. in court. Mm-hmm. But you got to think to give, you know, a little bit of credit to him not knowing if that's what they're going for, uh, that... He would absolutely, 100%, not expect it here. Right. So this is like the last thing that he would be on the lookout for. for. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, surely, if this were the case, Tywin Lannister would have caught it before I did. Like, if he's working for her. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. And then we get into King's Landing, and uh, shit is is literally... (laughs) hitting some people right uh with hitting things fast yeah i mean joffrey gets a little little piece of the pie to the face which was <laughs> stupid awesome it was satisfying it was, it was good to watch was. um but yeah and, uh, yeah this is his uh his kind of napoleon complex really coming out here as we were talking about last week joffrey's very unhinged and now we really get to see it even as he's being attacked and being dragged away he's like what are you doing i said kill them and he's like don't you know the hound's like uh don't you see what's happening yeah, we're all gonna <laughs> die here <laughs> they would love to kill you right now it's a crazy riot that by the way starts with poop 
and in about 20 seconds devolves into them tackling a man and and with their bare hands ripping his arm off (laughs) that was my worst part what a what a that's just like my worst that's that was my worst part of the show only because like first of all how and second of all (laughs) why Well, and then like they hold it up like them. it's such a trope. Like, yeah. <laughs> I just want to know how nine people who are all bent over doing what to this mo- what to this gentleman, and yet they end up ripping his right shoulder off. Right? <laughs> that's got to be so. Like, I don't care if you got nine people working on it. That's got to be really hard, right? Yeah, can the not, can the it. medical professionals weigh in? <laughs> that's it's not, not like, happening. It's not like zombies are down there like chewing on this guy. These are other human beings that are just <laughs> like, true. hey, I pushed Me- you down. Whoa, whoa, this escalated quickly <laughs> maybe it's implied that they like that they had some sort of serrated like serrated object some knife oh, no, some no. sharp thing but it it really just looks like they just yanked it right off yeah there's like flesh <laughs> and like torn clothing as he's bringing it up yeah what a bizarre and to go, scene to go straight from here we get this crazy riot we come back into the keep. Tyrion smacks Joffrey in the face round two. It's so satisfying. It's so good. We get this terrifying moment with Sansa Stark. She gets rescued by the hounds. It's it's uh, it's beautiful there, kind of a nice double-edged character development. And then as our blood is boiling, as our hearts are pounding, as our minds are just aching for some great content, we cut to Danny in a fucking living room in Karth. Karth. <laughs> uh, Total killjoy every time now. It's just so... They're literally waiting. We get so exciting, and then they're like... She's like, oh, the Spice King is, is keeping me waiting, and uh, I'm going to give him the same speech I gave at the gates, and maybe this time he'll listen. Oh, he didn't? I'm Daenerys Stormborn! It's the only speech she has. I think the car thing uh, is really kind of drug on for me at this point. Yeah, I, I agree with that there. Um, so there are good... Good moments here. Of course, we get a little bit with uh, with Rob Stark as well. But to touch on Karth before we leave there, stolen dragons. Right at the end of the episode, the dragons are gone. Her, but I mean, she she walked into Karth with like twelve people, and there are at least like eight people dead in that uh, in that living room of her Kalisar. So she's got to be pretty bare bones at this point. Yeah, I think in the only show, right? Just the. Uh... Um, the four of them from that point on, right? Perhaps. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not quite I'm sure. Trying to, so trying to remember. It's looking crazy. So yeah, so at least we're starting to make some moves out in Karth. We won't see anything for a little while with that. But man, for the rest of this episode, before we hit the Stark stuff, and I'll have a question for you guys there, I want to hit the Tywin and Arya thing because I was just realizing this the other day. This is maybe the first major arc that involves main characters that is not in the books. Tywin and Arya never meet in the books. They certainly don't have this sort of uh, this sort of relationship. Tywin isn't even at Harrenhal in the books. Um, the, the Lannisters hold it, but I don't think he ever shows up. I'm curious what you guys think. Um, some people don't necessarily like this because it diverges so much you know it's diverging and in in a way that doesn't necessarily add to a plot but i think it is an awesome way to showcase this cool relationship to give us a little bit more human side of tywin to give us a little more depth into uh aria you know she's seeing this other side she's she's having to watch herself 
basically start to like this guy who is essentially one of the reasons that half of her family is going to wind up dead. And what do, you, what do you guys think of it? I think it's great. I think <clears throat> coming from someone who, I, I, it's an easy answer for me. I haven't read the books. So yeah. it didn't offend me at all <laughs> uh, that they diverged from the plot. But I, th- I think it's awesome. Um, I think uh, I, I really, I didn't know that those obviously weren't in the books. I think those scenes are super good. Um, and it shows that you can have, you can have scenes that are, that you know, that slow things down a bit and aren't, nearly as boring as Karth. <laughs> like yeah. it shows that you can have good scenes, good character building, um, and not be just, you know, pedal to the metal with all these action scenes and stuff and still have enjoyable scenes to watch. And then you go to Karth. <laughs> you always come back to Karth. <laughs> it's always just uh Karth. The most boring city that ever was or will be. So yeah, and all th- and pretty much all of us want to live there. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for me, I also think it really comments on the show pointing out the relationships with your enemies, right? We see a lot of captured, a lot of enemies where there is, like, you want revenge, but you realize that there it's sometimes best to keep your enemies closer. And a lot of times, sometimes you, those enemies become friends as you have a larger issue to deal with. And I think... Mm they're showing that in a way that is uh, is Tywin her enemy right now. I mean, has Tywin done anything to her? No, I mean, I, I think she would consider him an enemy for the sole fact that he's trying to kill her brother. Right, but I mean, yeah, so I, I mean, Clearly, that's probably a very solid point. Never mind. Um, no. <laughs> no, but, but I'm but saying, I but I mean, like, as far as how she's concerned, nothing has really dro- driven a wedge in, in them directly. Right. And she, and like she said, she's been brought up there. She's and now has access to food, is not in, you know, rotting in a cell. She has some freedom in the camp, which I, or in, which I find interesting because she's often doing these things and conversing with the other prisoners quite freely and that seems to lead to other you know kind of plot points as well um but uh, i mean she doesn't have a bad life despite a war going on around her right i mean it's not like she's out there collecting arrows and you know and doing all these things that that the other prisoners could be doing so um i don't know i i think it actually adds to the story so i didn't mind it I love it so much. I think it's a, I think it is a great moment. It is implied quite heavily that Tywin does not believe Arya anytime she says where she's from or who her family is. I do not believe for a second that he thinks she's Arya Stark because nope. There's no well, way. he wouldn't be going along with that. But how much do you think she he does know? Like he's got to know that she's at least somewhat highborn, right? Yeah, but doesn't he say something to her like that? Like at one point, like that, you know, you would say, "Me, my lord, my lord." Yeah. yeah, like he says that he's like, you know, "Look, we can play this game as well as you want to play it, and you can yeah. act like you're not highborn, but I know you are." And she's right. like, "You're wrong. My mom killed it." <laughs> yeah, and then he, and then he and then he comes, you know, he retorts with a, you know, "You're too smart." Any, for anyone ever told you you're too smart for your own good? And and you know they have that kind of yeah. sly smile. That's it's like, like he uh, like he, ap- yeah. he appreciates how how smart and witty she comes off. And I, I think she even comments on his own children and how he sees that in the sense like with Jamie and the dyslexia and 
all that. So it was a good. I mean, I still think this uh, Harrenthal is one of the more interesting kind of stories we're seeing. Also, we're going to talk about in a second, I'm sure, the wall right now with the Night's Watch and and the oh. fists of the First Men, right? So they've set up force and now they have the, uh, was it Corrin, I think? Corrin Halfhand. Yeah, so Corrin and John and then two other nameless people I can't remember uh, go off to hunt for the signals right so that they don't get notified or whatever yeah um and again right so we have an enemy being captured and we have this moment of you know we should just kill them all and you have this concept of like are we really those people john obviously misses with his sword um and then the repercussions we're going to talk about in the future obviously so now he looks surprised um in my head he always misses on purpose but he does kind of look surprised so, when he yeah. opens his eyes. Yeah. Do you guys think he meant to miss? So that's I, that's I why I wonder in that in the in the scene. It looks like he's surprised he missed, and I was like, I don't. I mean, your sword. We were talking like what six inches. But if you've ever chopped wood, <laughs> <laughs> six inches. No, that's that's later when they're spooning. Yeah, um, back in my bone. Um, <laughs> uh, the whole. The whole like swinging, chopping wood. It, I mean, it's it's not it's not easy to do, right? Like to hit yeah. like the center of a of a log to split it in the middle. Like so, maybe that is more difficult. Yeah, but to completely miss, it's, it's, <laughs> it's not that easy. I'm just gonna say he missed on purpose, obviously. But I, I think he, yeah, I think he did. Which, yeah. by the way, I know it's Valyrian steel, but still, he just ran that thing against a rock. <laughs> Better goes that edge. Can't be great for it. Yeah. Um, I didn't write down anything really about any of that stuff that happens. I know he captures Egret. I think that stuff really starts popping off in the next couple episodes. For now, I'm just kind of, I'm, I'm hanging on with the Night's Watch. I know it gets good, but I'm a little bored up there too. Yeah. I, uh, from a plot standpoint, it's not that thrilling. Uh, but man, that filming location. Oh, it looks so good. It's just so good. I, did, I, I had to Google it. Iceland. That's where they mm-hmm. were. Very cool. <laughs> You guys want to do a, a the next le- episode on location? Yeah, yeah. On the, yeah, this week. Out in Iceland. <laughs> we'll see if we can get the budget for that. As I was gonna say, is our our our, our sponsor is going to send us out? Or? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Fingers crossed. If uh, if anyone's looking for any sponsorship opportunities, we have no shame, and we will promote whatever <laughs> <Absolutely>. you want. <laughs> Literally anything. Literally. <laughs> Uh, uh, all right. I think kind of wrapping up here with the, the last place we go is to see Rob's camp. And this is where we start to lose Rob. And I've always, I've always felt bad. I've always felt that he kind of gets this, you know, these bad things that happen to him. And it's like, Ooh, whoops. Now rewatching it again. Rob is seeking out this woman to flirt with. This is, she does not come across him. He goes, he finds her. He makes a point to flirt with her. His mom makes a point to tell him not to. And then he makes a point to do it again. Yeah, it's rough to watch knowing the ultimate end. I think that just because this is such a thing. And of course, if you don't know what happens, I mean, we've already spoiled all the way up through season seven. So uh, <laughs> it's, it's no spoiler to say that uh, there's an uh, episode titled The Red Wedding coming up next season and some crazy bad things happen. Uh, and Rob Stark may or may not be involved. Uh, Jeremy, be familiar with this. Hans, you may not know. Uh, Talisa, I don't know her last name, Magar, Talisa Magar, Rob's uh, soon to be girlfriend, does not exist in the books. Yeah. Did you Interesting. know that? I did not know that. 
Uh, there is still this Achilles heel of Rob, but her name is Jane Westerling. <laughs> and in the show, I think, you know, because it plays more dramatically to a visual perspective, um, he falls in love with this foreign beauty, Talisa, who he, he comes to know her and love her heart and love her bosom. And he, she comes becomes pregnant with, uh, with his son, et cetera, et cetera. In the books, uh, Jane Westerling is this, uh, you know, kind of highborn lass. Rob goes and fights a battle somewhere, gets wounded, goes back to the, the castle of the area. Jane is basically tending to him, and that's when he gets the news that, um, Theon has taken the castle and quote unquote killed Bran and Rickon. Mm -hmm. And so Rob is distraught. Jane is like just trying to help and they end up getting it on. But she's a highborn lady with a very protective father. And to save her honor, Rob then marries her the next day. So it's not this love thing. It's uh, it's this honor thing. And I think the only reason that they didn't do it out like that in the show is that real quick back we, we kind of got the same downfall with ned and i just don't think they wanted to replay that same story but um I, I, what do you what do you guys think do you have a preference as to what you think would would work better to adequately set up rob's demise that's a good question i've never thought about that actually because i feel like with talisa in, in this story one i think the it just flows a little bit better from the beginning for me um yeah. Obviously, with what well, I jumped so far ahead, um, I don't know. I mean, I'm, obviously, when you read the books, it's not that you don't get the sensation of that Rob has feelings for her Jane. Um, but with Lisa, I feel like there's a love story here, and I always think that that comes across very well. I mean, she's oh, that's true. She's yeah. she's she is that kind of that softening to him in the story here. Um, so for me, I think it actually works better maybe with the show. I yeah. agree. I think the show works better for me too. Um, granted, the book. <laughs> I have no idea. But just hearing from the premise, just hearing yeah. your summary and the premise for me, this I don't think the red wedding would have been as as impactful. I think obviously losing Rob may or may not be losing Rob. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> the only reason I'm even trying to be spoiler free is because I know Jenna is kind of in and out of the episodes and she actually hasn't seen. Yeah. <laughs> but she does yeah. she listens to this podcast but hasn't seen it. But nonetheless she's probably listening to me right now so it doesn't matter. Um <clears throat> but uh the the reason it works for me is I don't think the red wedding would as would have been as impactful if they didn't build this story up the way they did because really the the like jeremy said the love story that they build um like it works and it really does a lot to build up rob again because they love doing this yes. build up and make you just love that like really like that story of rob like the love story like everything's going for him and it makes <clears throat> it makes the turn of the red wedding more believable because obviously if he just did that one thing out of quick honor and it was real quick and then they ended up being at Walder Frey's then uh you know you don't get that and this is a bit nuanced but you don't get that that turn where Walder's like oh well young love you know how can you not how can I how could I not understand that and you kind of think it's all going to be okay and I think that would have been much harder to pull off and and make you really just like rip rip your heart out I guess yeah if they didn't do it this way I think the I think I agree with you. I like the love story arc 
better. I think it plays a hell of a lot better for TV. Um, the only thing I really do think it takes away, and we talked about this either last week or the week prior, is that Rob, they were setting up Rob to be not only good at this, but smart. He had this tactful mind, and this is so obviously to him, everyone around him, and to the viewers, like this red flag. And I, I don't think they've necessarily set him up to be this, you know, guy so on his hormones that he would bite at it like he did, but uh, but it, it's a little nitpicky, and, you know, I, I buy it enough. Yeah, I'm just trying to remember with the the red wedding and everything. I mean, that's I feel like that's one of the one of the episodes in the show that stays with a lot of people when we talk about the show, right? I mean, oh, like yeah. absolutely, it, it is such a and it's so well done. And then the barbaric kind of, I mean, you know, knowing what we know about her and Lisa being pregnant and and just the way she dies, I feel like that's it sends a message right in the show that yeah. that's really profound. And I mean, we see, we see it play out in season six and season, I think season seven as well, kind of the repercussions of that. But, um, and also, I mean, okay, well, I'm just going to stop saying all these spoilers because I feel like it, you can just can continue. <laughs> you can, yeah, but this is, I think, uh, I mean, it's a huge part of the, of the show. I mean, I definitely think that the red wedding becomes kind of like, um, a pillar for which we're going to go back to often when we're going to talk about how that led to this person or another's either demise. So, yeah. yeah. And playing on the emotional note there, uh, it does also set up the fact that in the show, we get Talisa at the red wedding dying in the books. Rob's wife very much survives because yeah. she's not there. Yeah. But anyway, Fun fact. yeah, you have to tu- you have to you have to stay tuned in to Thrones and Scones to, <laughs> to find out what we really think. Yeah, on that episode. <laughs> oh, uh, when it comes to the Red Wedding episode, it's going to be like four minutes long because we'll have yeah, blown we everything about we had to talk the last about. Six, uh, seven episodes. <laughs> Jeremy's now on uh, season eight because um, you know it started. Well, what we can, of course, talk about right now are the. Uh, you know, that, that second part to our name, the scones. Hans brought the baked goods today, or should I just say baked? Is there any good to them, Hans? Your peach scone, where's it from? Uh, this peach scone is from the Outpost grocery store. And do you have any thoughts about it? It's good. Oh, well then, all right. If you would like to hit up our social media, you can not only see these scones on Instagram, at Thrones and Scones, you can also see us fumble about and try to come up with clever, continuous shit on Facebook and Twitter, at Thrones and Scones. Keep up with us at thronesandscones.com for all the links to uh, everything you could possibly want and wherever you'd like to listen to us. And of course, we will catch you in your ears tomorrow for Season 2, Episode 7. Are you down with G.O.T.? You know me, sir. (laughs) (laughs) Jenna brought this up the other day. I don't know if I don't think it was in this episode or maybe not even the episode prior. Is it Sansa or Sansa? Because people in the show say it both ways. Yeah, um, I think it's Sansa. That's what that's what I thought too. But people absolutely do say Sansa. It's like such a. there is nothing that drives me more nuts than continuity errors. And uh, I didn't—I don't even think I brought it up. I was so mad about it in the episode when Renly Baratheon and Loras Tyrell are having passive-aggressive pre-sex. Mm-hmm. And uh, Loras is like, no, you, you know, there's another... 
what his words are, there's another Tyrell that needs your attention. Of course, what he meant to say was Tyrell. Tyrell. Yeah. <laughs> you know, was, his own his own last name. What I don't get is like, so they don't, it's not like they've, they, that scene was probably filmed, you know, only a few minutes, obviously, is probably the entirety of the scene that was filmed. Are you yeah. telling me that the person who filmed that scene didn't go, wait a minute, <laughs> something doesn't seem right? Well, they were probably just, uh, you know, they, they were too busy trying to cover up uh, their reaction to the hot, hot man-on-man action that was going on. That's so it was mean. like, hide your boners, hide your boners. <laughs> <laughs> we, can't, so, we can't like this. <laughs> they just missed it, I suppose. But yeah, it's so, so crazy. So I'm trying to think, who who's... Uh, Who's saying Sansa Stark out there? No, I have no idea. I just know Sansa Stark. Jenna had brought it up, and I didn't. Know. She brought it up quite a bit ago, and I was kind of thinking. I was like, ah, I guess I haven't really noticed it. And then immediately after she said it, I did notice a couple notice times, it, and yeah. I wish I would have wrote it down. Yeah, I think I think it's Sansa. I that sounds more right to me. I agree. And in all fairness, there are a lot of people out there that call me Hands, and that is absolutely sure. not my name. So. Oh, do they really? I have never heard someone say that. Sure. I get a lot of Han, too, without the S. Han. Hey, Han You should just go by Han. Yeah, I would totally tell I'd be like, it's short for Solo. And don't even get me started on people trying to write my name with an apostrophe. (laughs) 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 Just people just, they can't figure it out. (laughs) As in you you own the form you're signing? (laughs) I own this. It's mine. Oh, my gosh. You guys have, uh, you guys got some issues. Jeremy in with that extra E. Oh, yeah, God. I, it's so... That's fucked up. It's fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> What's worse is when they try to enunciate the Jeremy. I'm like, really? <laughs> <laughs> have you guys ever tried uh, just having the name Tony Jones? Like yeah. seven under 100,000 people God, in the it's world? Got, it's super easy. <laughs> it's got to be nice to just have a, a name as simple as Artonius. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Everyone's familiar with Artonius. <laughs> yeah. 